Hello, welcome to Cineboys Forever. Forever, the, forever. Forever. The new podcast, brand new. <laughs> new face. New face. Disguising new. our laziness and ineptitude at doing any podcasters for the best part of like six months. Yeah, so we've just decided that we'll just do something different. Yeah. But the same, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's not any different. It's... Yeah, it's a very, very base level facelift. Yeah, absolutely. The idea now is that because we are very busy strapping titans of industry... We don't have the time to do it every week, maybe, yeah. maybe even year. <laughs> I mean, year. I think the problem is, is that because we're so shit at talking, we have to spend so long actually editing it. Yeah. So neither of us are very competent at that, as you can probably tell <laughs> yeah. by listening to the show. <laughs> the back catalogue of unedited uh, podcasts is growing. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're we're, we're going to talk today about Avengers Endgame. Obviously, if yeah. anyone has ever prompt as ever, yeah, prompt as ever. We're <laughs> right on the the cusp of culture as always. Yes, absolutely. We're a couple of weeks late, but we um we wanted to let the kind of hype die down so that we could talk about it with uh, a lot of sort of nerdy, spoilery stuff, so that the ten people that listen to this don't care. Yeah, absolutely. It and aside, it's not just going to be uh, a sort of a nerdy sort of. Um, like a review of, oh, do you remember when Ant Man <laughs> flew up Thanos' arsehole? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. it's going to be very. Um, a bit more depth. retrospective on, yeah. on the state of Superhero film and how that actually is impacting on cinema itself. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not just going to be, yeah, like you say, cretinous nerds getting too excited about a fucking popcorn movie. Yeah, well, we did like it, I think. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, so yeah, just, okay, yeah, I'm just, I'm just wasn't sure, yeah. I'm, I'm just getting into my sort of mindset, yeah, you know, yeah. my Mark Maron kind of yeah, like, yeah, cynical. Okay. Sips his coffee, mm. lovely. Right, should we get into it? <sighs> yeah, let's do it. Avengers Endgame, Danny, uh, what were your honest, unabridged thoughts? <laughs> uh, I, I liked it a lot. Um, oh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, yeah, I did like it. I uh, enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, we were sort of talking about it beforehand in terms of what we were going to talk about and how we were going to structure the sort of review. Um, it's funny because more and more the dissenting voices about superhero cinema having a bit more of an effect on how I view these kinds of films. Okay. Or at least I think I, they do. And then I sit in the cinema and I'm like... Completely encapsulated. I, yeah, I just forget it. I yeah. forget all those criticisms. Uh, and then I came out of the film and we talked about it at length on the way home. And that during that sort of period, it was almost like I was in a capsule to which mm. none of that... I was sort of impervious to that. Yeah, absolutely. Those dissenting voices. Because there is something captivating about it. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, on the whole, I did, I did actually really enjoy it. And yeah. um, even now, when those dissenting voices have crept back into my sort of thought process, I can still look back with fondness on the movie overall. Yeah, of course. Well, naturally, when a movie like this comes out, you get the first wave of just glowing positivity from people like us that are going to obviously just kind of take it like, oh, this is like everything I wanted it to be. And then slowly it kind of builds up that people get a bit more critical. Yeah. And the backlash starts to kind of feed in. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which I guess is why it's good to kind of give it a bit of time to think about it. Mm -hmm. 
I personally really enjoyed the film. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, for me, the a culmination of like yeah, ten years of investment for like a lot of characters. I mean, obviously, it's exactly what you expected it to be, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's I mean, not, it's not a challenging or surprising film. Not really. I mean, I think people were saying, "Oh, it really changes things." I mean, when people were saying Infinity War, like bring you bring your tissues and stuff, and yeah, I mean, like it just it it's hard to ignore the fact that there isn't a great deal of risk in the franchise overall. No. I mean, people were talking about who's going to die, who's who's going to die. Well, it was obvious who was going to die or well, be retired in yeah, the yeah, end yeah. because, mm. you know, it was very well documented that a lot of sort of key characters in the franchise, the actors who were playing them, their contracts were running out and they'd been doing it for so long that they wanted to move on to something else. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, to me, it didn't feel like this sort of, the, the, the shocks were really going to ever be there. There were a couple of moments where I thought, I thought, yeah. hang on a minute, they might do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sort of flirted with it as opposed to actually delivering on it, which I'm not sure is a good thing necessarily. But overall, I was satisfied with how the ending played out, even sure. though I could sort of foreshadow pretty much everything that was going yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah. But that's not, um, I, and that's funny because that wasn't to its detriment. I think we no, both agreed that absolutely. it was kind of like, I feel like a movie like this that has, again, so much expectation with all of that build-up, and especially with Infinity War last year, mm. that you... It, that, they what they could have done an art house thing and it'd been really kind of unsatisfying David <laughs> yeah. Lynch kind of like yeah. what is that the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what the hell kind of thing or they could have done what they did which which closes the story satisfyingly you know it it is ultimately a the the largest entertainment franchise of all time of all time in the world yeah. currently at this moment particularly and there's no way that they could just kind of like, they couldn't make it the most satisfying conclusion, mm. which in a way does kind of induce disappointment in retrospect. I don't know why for me. I mean... No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I just remember, I remember speaking to someone else about who'd seen the film. We both sort of agreed and said, it's not as actually as like risky as they made it out to be. No, the marketing really did suggest it was going to be like, oh my this God. This huge, I mean, I was, I mean... Yeah, I mean, spoilers, as if we've already mentioned it, but when but when Iron Man dies, I mean, mm. I remember saying to you, right before you Infinity be, War, yeah. like a year ago, that if any of them are going to die, it's going to be sac- a sacrifice. Yeah. It's not going to be like a really brutal, visceral moment. And they allude to that moment, mm. particularly in the fights between the heroes and Thanos, that one of yeah. them is going to die like really abruptly and quite brutally. And, mm. But they just don't have the conviction to see it through. They have to really stretch out the moment. Yeah, it's sort of like, I mean, it wasn't quite Return the King levels bad in terms of ending. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, they did sort of stretch out. And I mean, it was still emotional, though, from the perspective of someone that has, for all of the sort of negativity towards the franchise, has actually really cared about the characters. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's, for me, is what, what surprises me about it is that I do I did really care about all of the characters, yeah, and I was satisfied to see how they kind of closed it. But like, I don't know, I, it just like as soon as Robert Downey Jr.'s sorry Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. as soon as Iron Man's daughter is introduced, and it's kind of like well he's gonna like yeah. as if I didn't know already he's gonna die. Yeah, I mean he's get, the only character with okay. who starts out with a sort of better position yeah. than everyone else. Yeah, so. He's fine. He's like, I'm happy. So like you know that's good. But there, there's something else in the movie that. That isn't necessary because you wanted to talk about this. Uh, the the wider themes of Marvel movies that maybe either they don't get pushed enough to the foreground or they just don't get picked up enough by audience members. So an example would be how Winter Soldier is a kind of tribute to sort of the seventies paranoia mm. thrillers, the mm. political paranoia thrillers like um, Clute, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, um, Parallax View, Parallax or the President's Man. Yeah, Clue's a good shout though. I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. That's, uh, that's why you listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pure insight. <laughs> that probably sounded horrible. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. Um, that's the other thing. No edits anymore. No edits. No. <laughs> we just upload it raw. Raw. Yeah. No, we probably won't uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like there's an obvious kind of like satire satirical political element not satirical there's an obvious political element to those mm. movies that maybe no it's not actually not obvious is it it's only obvious if you've kind of done a bit of reading in it or you are aware of yeah those films yeah i think i think um i read a great article um on little white lies uh and they were talking about how um a lot of the Marvel films are heavily influenced by that sort of post 9-11 condition. Yeah, I saw this. Um, you know, Iron Man obviously resisting, sen- sen- selling, resisting selling weapons yeah. to the same government that is selling them off to the enemies that they're mm-hmm. also attacking at the same time. Which for 2008, um, um, like in the prime of kind of like Obama's election and stuff, that is pretty challenging Yeah, satire. it is. And I think you go back to Winter Soldier again as well, like, you know, this idea of... Well, you can't even trust the government again. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's funny, they breed this real discontent again. Yeah, and it's like, in, in the wake of, you know, um, Guantanamo Bay and mm. the sort of getting false information on terrorism through through torture. Yeah. It seemed like too much of a coincidence that a film about Captain America sort of dethroning a, mm. a sort of a government conspiracy that, yeah. you know, would end up being to the detriment of all. Um, I think what you have to sort of consider, though, is that these things are there for a, a brief moment. Yeah, you know, they... These themes are very much... I mean, I know all themes are technically background in a film, but to a film like this, they really are pushed to the background Almost quite quickly. quite extremely to the point in the third act of most of these films where yeah. obviously we've kind of gone like, oh, the government is spying on you, and you're like, fuck, that's something really to think about. Yeah. And then they go, but don't worry, because Captain America is going to save the day and yeah, like, yeah. kick out the bad guys and everything's fine kind of thing. And, yeah. And so with this movie, I thought a large part of the theme for Endgame, obviously with the time travel element... Yeah. Is conf- like obviously they're trying to fix the past, yeah. which in itself is a kind of um, a DC and like e- thankless effort that in reality is impossible. And the movie hints at that, yeah, where the with the unnecessarily kind of gratuitous um, meeting scene, like the support group scene, oh, with yeah. the really weird Russo brothers cameo, yeah, obviously. Worth being praised for being the first apparently openly gay character in a Disney film. Like expressly, he's talking about being in a relationship with a man. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but also undermined by the fact that he is one of the directors, just kind of. Like, and a very brief moment as well. Yeah. Which is a bit weird. But they're talking about how, you know, oh, you, you, you have to just embrace the change. And that is something that we all know when someone goes, there is a difficulty in that. Yeah. But you wish you could change it. And then in the movie, we see them go back in time. We see. Iron Man confront his younger father, uh, yeah. and and uh, maybe think about how he acts as a father and how he maybe wishes he'd been maybe a bit more close with him because yeah. they, they were distant and he kind of he sees some of himself in his own yeah, his, father. Yeah, we, yeah, and Captain America confronts Peggy again. The the love he lost, the love yeah. he sacrificed for some sort of greater thing, and these are all things that kind of like. They tug at the heartstrings because there is a sort of emotional resonance to them yeah. confronting these past things that 
were massively affected before Thanos clicked his fingers. So they're like, where they're kind of trying to change this massive tragedy where half the population have disappeared, they are trying to also wrestle with wider themes of loss and trying to change the past. Mm. And that is really kind of like an emotionally resonant thing for a children's film. Absolutely. I also think the another great thing about it is the culmination of Marvel's progressive interest in consequence yeah. for characters. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, again, it's it's not something that is um delved into as well as it could be. But I mean you think about how sort of civil war focuses on the idea of, you know, should heroes be accountable for their actions. Exactly, yeah. And that still has a little bit of a sort of bearing on how the characters interact in this film. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think the emotional connection to these characters and stories is 90% of its appeal. Yeah. Yeah. And it is 90% down to the actors that play the characters. Fair enough. Yeah. No, that's a better way of putting it. Well, what I, I yeah, I just think it's that, isn't it? It's that connection. They are so just, they are such a likable cast. They all Mm. seem to really like the role and they care. They care. They care. A common, a common criticism is that it's just soulless and, it clearly you know, isn't. And people involved people in it obviously care. Yeah, like, they know, you know, like they, you know, they they get people that know the characters, that know the the atmosphere, and the and then the the actors themselves really do start to embody the ideas of it, and it's, mm. it's it's all positive, really. But for me, it pisses me off when this movie that is all about that emotional reason, about how you can't change the past, abandons that concept at the end, and they just bring back. Yeah, I know. Obviously, they had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to bring back back. Panther, but they've gone five years into the future. Yeah, half the population have gone. People have moved on. Five years later, those people all return to Earth, <laughs> and they're younger than everyone else. They've missed five years. Probably a lot of their parents may have like moved on, had other kids. Their wives may have remarried. What's Spider Man going? He's going back to school. We see him going back to school at the end. What does he just pick up? Where he left off. Yeah. Like the 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 big concept that they were building in the first hour of this film, which by the way is very slow and dour and Too slow. Too slow. I mean I know it sounds sort of a weird criticism to have, but But it was. It does overlaid all the dramatic elements too much, I thought. And so as a result, they've built up this theme that's kind of oh, you know, there's no really there's no going back. Mm. And then they just go back. Yeah, yeah. And those consequences. Obviously Iron Man dies, Captain America gets his break, but again, the tragedy of Captain America being in that room watching Peggy come into her office, almost reenact with her at an age that they would have, you know, been able to mm. pick up their life, is instantly abandoned. Mm. Like two hours later, where it's just like, oh no, he went back. He went back in mm. time. Mm-hmm. So for me, that kind of like, isn't it's a plot hole that also just kind of cheapens the actual resonance of this film in a lot of ways. It's only something I've thought about more recently. But what do you think of that? I, no, I, I think I think you're right, uh, but I think that was never going to happen, was it? It was never going to happen any other way. I guess. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'm just. No, no, no. It's a fair. It's a fair criticism because it's a fair criticism of, of the genre in general. Is yeah. that it is built inherently on repetition and the lack of risk. Yeah. I mean, even as someone that enjoys the franchise a great deal, you know, you have to acknowledge that there is a lack of risk mm. at some point in these films. Absolutely. And that lack of risk was completely exemplified in this film Mm. um so yeah no i I agree with you and i think that i think if the franchise going forward is going to make any drastic changes i think there should be more of an element of risk and it's interesting you say about going back to how everything was that's sort of Mm. how comic books have always done it in a weird way um 
but in a film that really focuses, like you say, on that emotional arc of not being able to change things, is sort of yeah. No, I agree. Things. I think it is unusual. And like, it didn't detract too much from me. Like I was actually quite happy to see Captain America go back in time. It sort of made me think. It was oh. nice. Yeah. But again, was... I think it's all to do with the characters. It's Absolutely. all to do with them. And I think even if from this sort of perspective of someone that wants superheroes to reflect greater ideals that we know they're capable of. Mm. There's that side of the argument which will always exist for me, but it was kind of nice to see the Captain America get the yeah. life that he wanted and it's kind of cheesy yeah. and silly. It, kind of, it appeals to you on that base level and I think that's why they're so successful. Yeah, absolutely. So here's another question for you. Um, not less serious this time, admittedly, but um, obviously Captain America in the when he's Sam Rogers, Steve Rogers, <laughs> when he was Steve Flash Rogers... me! <laughs> I'll redo that. Captain America when he was Steve Rogers... In the first Avenger, is very skinny, meek little man. Yeah, yeah. Obviously a virgin at that point. <laughs> I think he life. still is a virgin, isn't he? Well, that's what I'm saying. So he would have been a virgin. Yeah. At that all point. All the time. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. And then he went back in time. So I think I appreciate why he would have stayed in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's probably lost his virginity. Yeah. Or did he? Or did he? Or did he just kind of assume? Does he have kids? I mean, platonic love was. Enough. Can he have kids? Can Captain America have kids? Is it a Superman situation where he'll just kill? Anyone. I don't know. I mean, I assume that he's still a human. He still fucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's just something to consider, right? Captain yeah. America was a virgin. The ultimate virgin. I know. Yeah. But maybe it's a case for virginity. Yeah. <laughs> Virtue <laughs> and virginity. <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, it makes sense, really, doesn't it? You're it's like, just bizarre. Yeah, yeah, no, I just kind of... I started thinking about that during... Maybe that's why, like, he was just such a good fighter because Jahal, like, when yeah, boxers like go before Sully. fighting, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. they sort of like, you know, before they go in a fight, they're not allowed to yeah blow their beans. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it keep you know it keeps them ready for the scrap. And in Game of Thrones, they've got those soldiers that have their like oh junk yeah, the so they, yeah, yeah, they're so not sort of directed by misdirected by yeah. their primal desires. But yeah, but perhaps they miss out on things that they could. Yeah, Thanos is the biggest cock blocker ever. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It, took it, it took Captain America about 75 years <laughs> to finally get laid. Yeah. Yeah, you seemed happy at the end. Yeah, well, yeah, you probably guess you would be if you waited that long. Uh, another thing I just want to talk about as well is um, Marvel was obviously kind of like pushed forward this whole de-aging thing quite a lot. Okay, yeah. And in this movie, there were so many instances of just like serious plasticine face Yeah. that it kind of killed de-aging for me a little bit. Yeah. But, it's funny because with when they at the end of the film when they have uh, Steve Rogers older, that looks really good. Yeah, really good. Look, yeah. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, 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 you it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you look at I mean, Michael Douglas. That, I is, don't know if it was the wig or it, it was bad though, wasn't it? it he was didn't really look right. Because they did him in Ant Man, I think. And like, he looked better in Ant Man. I, yeah. I don't remember having an issue with how he looked no, in Ant Man. I mean, I it's think... not the kind of thing I tend to remember. Like, what does Michael Douglas look like in a de-aged form in Ant Man? Like, that's not something I go no. to bed thinking about. Well, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was weird, and 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 I feel like there's too much of a reliance on this kind of like. How else are they going to do it? Like, they have to do it. Yeah. The de-aging thing. Two other points as well. Uh, Hulk dabbed at one point. Yeah. That was lame. The Fortnite reference as well. Also was a bit weird. And again, that's five years into the future. So will people still be dabbing and playing Fortnite? Probably not. Maybe not. But I mean, those kind of things I tend to overlook with a superhero film. I find it 
I just hate. I it. mean, I, I I know what you mean. I find um, that stuff like the worst part. Like I, I overlook Michael Douglas' plasticine face, but yeah, yeah. Even though I just brought it up as a mate as a criticism, like I'm, I'm <laughs> it was a big no, no. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Is I mean, it was sort of it worked well for Thor to have this sort of joke and such. Sure, how it's just sort of show how pathetic he is, but there are probably yeah. a lot of the ways you can do it. Yeah, but again, it's obvious because I think in Fortnite they've got like a Thanos game mode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's obviously some sort of lucrative deal. Yeah, it's another time, which again is... That's an issue. <laughs> yeah, that kind of brings into this article uh, that I was reading about and I wanted to sort of run it by you. Um, it was titled Avengers, MCU, Game of Thrones and the Content Endgame. And the idea is that um, it's not my Endgame isn't just the culmination of the 22 movie Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also represents the de- decisive defeat of cinema by content. In that the event cinema isn't so much about the movie itself, but about the opinions and the and the and the memes and everything that generates about this movie, which mm-hmm. is probably just as much adding to the re- revenue of this movie as people going to the cinema because it's generating yeah a which, constant interest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Game of Thrones is the same, obviously. As soon as Game of Thrones has been on, there's just a barrage of memes. That are relevant yeah. to that show, and people kind of like, haha, like, oh, don't spoil it for me. Like, yeah, people are all when they say stuff like that are just generating further content. Yeah, this film. Okay, so, interesting. Um, yeah, the, the idea is that it's not, it's not like this movie wasn't the a culmination of a cinematic event, was it? Like, in the terms of it being, I mean, it was literally, but it was also about hype, like, yeah. You know, fan service. Yeah. yeah. Fan service hype. I mean, the fan has grown corpulent over the last 10, 15 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, well, Sonic the Hedgehog is maybe a good example of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that maybe is where, it's where it bursts. <laughs> the backlash I mean, is so hard on I mean, that you movie. Think, you think about, like, Star Wars and all these other films, like, fans have been... It's funny when you think about The Last Jedi. I mean, no matter, yeah. no matter what you think about The Last Jedi, you know, Star Wars fans complained that... Uh, Force Awakens was too much like A New Hope. They wanted something different, and then they get something different, and then they complain. Yeah, absolutely. and I think it's just because fans really have realised how much power they have, and I think Marvel has helped that power grow. Yeah, which I think hurts um, the kind of value of of a movie because I mean, yeah, I mean, you I'd, should you, yeah, you should make something that people should enjoy, but I think when you start, you start cowing to the pressure of yeah expectation. If George Lucas had done that, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't have the prequels. And some of the more questionable moments of those, but we had movies that were made with like an honesty and integrity, and they weren't about retconning and trying to justify universe changes. I don't think Marvel has really had to do it because Marvel were very much in the know as mm. to what their fans expect. Mm. It's symbiotic their relationship with their fans. Yeah, very much one hand feeds the other. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Uh, right down to like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio, like a very obscure villain. But Jake Gyllenhaal was almost Spider-Man at one point, so it's almost like a nice yeah, yeah, bit of culmination. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting concept because does it kind of... Obviously, we are Cineboys first. Yeah. Uh, does... Do, do you... What's the last movie that's kind of had this reaction and that it wasn't a different Avengers film? You know, it's... I was thinking about this, and I was looking at um, blockbuster figures last year. Yeah. I mean, I know it might be sort of a, a sort of lame argument because I would wager that most of the top ten films of every year, most of them would be considered oh, yeah. high budget films. Yeah, because, almost. Yeah, certainly. almost always. But I mean, 
2018, five of them were superhero films. Mm. The only one that could be considered mid-budget, which is 52 million, was Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's a weird, weirdly uh, successful movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then the other the other films are either I believe, I mean, I might be wrong, but I believe Disney or Animal Disney, movie. yeah, like sequels. Yeah, relying on nostalgia, mm. or films that are fledging franchises that try to do what Marvel have done, i.e., the Harry Potter yeah. thing. So, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting to think that, and I think, I, I think it is troubling. To, per- to be completely honest with you, uh, I, I I don't have a disdain for superheroes in this regard because again, like I say, even if we have talked quite negatively about oh, their no. effect, I I am definitely part of the problem. I think we both admit to that. Yeah, I, I want to just say as well, just but, to what you said about negativity, these movies are so successful uh, and so beloved by everyone that like a little bit of criticism won't actually affect it. No, no, of course and, not. And, and and it's and it's but, healthy to be able to look at these movies. Yeah, like from because as you say, we're we're superhero fans, but we're film fans first. You yeah, know, like yeah. we have to, you know, we we want to see people watching other kinds of movies too. Yeah. And I think this brings on to my point that I mean, it is affecting how people consume. Yeah, this cinema. is what you wanted to say. Yeah, I I do think so. I mean, in in my sort of in, away from the uh, microphone, yeah. <laughs> I do sort of you know work with a lot of young people who want who aspire to be in the industry, who are mm. passionate about the industry. Yeah. And we would we do um, talk, we'd just talk about movies, and mm. you'd ask these classes, you know. I think how... you'd ask these clowns. <laughs> <laughs> ask these, yeah. no. you'd ask these clowns. Uh, they're really quite wonderful, actually. But I mean, if you know, you ask them, you know, who's well, seen Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, mm. Jaws. I mean, this is cinema one hundred and one, isn't yeah, it? These are the sort of the very much the kind of movies that when we went to university, we would be like, I've seen Pulp Fiction, <laughs> yeah. like, City of God. Yeah, <laughs> what? You think you've seen World Cinema because you've seen Old Boy once? Yeah, um, which was definitely the mistake I made before I went to university. Yeah. But it's, okay, um, it's not a mistake; it's it's, it's learning. But it, you, what you're implying is that maybe they aren't that invested. In no, it. no, and like, I'd, and you'd be amazed. You'd be lucky to get let you know half of people mm. putting their hands up for these films. However, if you said superhero films, Marvel, mm. you'd be it'd be weirder to see a student not put their hand up that's seen yeah. all twenty-two films, and not only that, have an extensive knowledge of the overarching storyline, the characters, yeah. and I mean, again, like I want to I want to stress that that is in no way reflective of, of their taste or intelligence, mm. uh, but it it is reflective of how much this dominates. The sort of this conscious, sort of the collective consciousness, yeah, yeah. Collective consciousness, yeah. It's, there's no, it almost feels like there's no room for anything else to be that relevant. No, I mean, and how does that affect your your taste? If you overconsume on something, are you going to be as willing to engage with something that tackles themes in a different way? Yeah, that actually explores themes in a meaningful way. I yeah. mean, I think super films can do it and have mm. done it a little bit. Yeah, but. If you watch like an independent film that is not as castrated by yeah. the desire of a fucking billion dollar, you know, enterprise yeah, that want to see a return yeah. on their investment, yeah. you know, are you going to be as prepared to sort of see a film that attempts something different in terms of form, style, their approach? You know, that's a great point. And I, and, I, and, I, and I just think that that is worrying because you might go. People are going to go into these films. People that I know have passion because I mm. know them. Yeah, you know, might come out of this thing saying, "No, it wasn't." You know, it wasn't akin to what I'm used to. Yeah. I think that is it's worrying. A it's a different language, isn't it? Because these don't really feel like films; they feel like episodes. Yeah, it's, it's serialization. Yeah, serialization of, yeah. of of film. And I mean, obviously, this isn't new. Um, you know, to to draw on some of my own film degree knowledge, it's about <laughs> as helpful as it sounds. Um, Flash Gordon westerns. 
serialization existed a long time ago. Yeah, but not at this level. No, not not in this kind of this billion dollar enterprise. I mean, like the amount of money they spend on these films is sickening almost. Like in terms of its kind of nearly 400 million on both films, wasn't on, it? On both films. Um but the kind of the the the, the gluttony of it is you know, it's, it's hard to justify. Ultimately. It is. And I think that I mean you I think I mean, we can use our sort of base examples. And also, I want to stress that I don't want to use my example yeah. outside of, away from the microphone, <laughs> as a sort of way to, as a microcosm sure. for everything, because there's no way to quantify that or mm. prove that. Um, but I will say to sort of <laughs> almost undermine that, yeah. when we go to the cinema together, um, you know, like a mainstream cinema, mm. you know, we, I mean, you can go and see films like uh, uh, The Rider yeah. or, um, Barry Jenkins's Beale Street Could Talk. I don't know how I forgot that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you would be amazed how empty those cinemas were. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, um, I mean, and Beale Street Could Talk was a masterpiece of a film, mm, Re- unbelievably just relevant, poignant, and beautifully beautiful. constructed, yeah. and all of these things showcasing Barry Jenkins as one of the absolutely I mean, top he was directors the, of of our time. The second ever episode we did of the show was yeah, a, a, Moonlight, a, a which gushing love letter to his other film yeah. Moonlight, which is also a masterpiece. Um, but you know, but, but you, you go in those cinemas and you sit there and you look around and you are lucky to have ten other people in there at it, best. And it's sad, but like ultimately, it's not like it, it no, there's never going to be a, <laughs> a world where if Bill Street could talk is going to be a billion dollars, the, the seismic cultural event. Yeah. That, the Avengers Endgame is, uh, whether it's the billion dollar movie or the endless barrage of tie-ins and marketing deals that mm. relate around it. Imagine that, like, Bill Street could talk Fortnite expansion. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's just them sort of sitting and t- trying talking to about get a how house. They, yeah, yeah. Tr- trying to get a house and save their son's soul. Like, yeah, like, like imagine that. Like, like it's, it's it's just not marketable, is no, it? No, it's I not. Mean, it's it's, it's marketable in, 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 in a degree of, like, appealing to people that want to kind of it's not even one. It's not a need of one. Uh, the, the you are kind of informed on it. I yeah. suppose. The, and I think as well, it would be fair to say as well, if you go to like an arty cinema like the Watershed here in Bristol, they, it will out. be sold out. Those so movies it's be... worth thinking about it from that context as well. Yeah. There was always that divide. I think you're right, mm, and I absolutely. think, and it's, and but it, I think superhero films strengthen that divide. Absolutely, because it's the divide there in in mainstream to to the art house is very specific, very clear. But the divide again, because we obviously love these films, we wouldn't be so passionate about them mm. if we didn't. Uh, and I've invested way too much of my life into this franchise, this universe. Before the movies, I was a fucking loser that used to read the comics as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm still yeah. a loser. So, <laughs> go figure. But, um, <laughs> don't know why I'm going with that. I don't know why I'm hurting myself so much. <laughs> I use this podcast as a sort of form of self-destructive therapy. I yeah. Some reason. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. It's just, listen to me unravel. <laughs> I've seen a voice forever. Um, but the other thing is like uh, these movies are made with so much love uh, mm. and I think that's again because you know growing up reading the comics for them to kind of get Spider-Man right after like I mean Raimi fucking nailed Spider-Man oh fucking especially, yeah well, oh, particularly yeah. the first two oh, but yeah, to get yeah. him as like this kind of teenager bit like kind of awkward mm. the tone is spot on yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree um, yeah. Doctor Strange like I used to love Doctor Strange and for him to actually have a film let yeah. alone like be in a billion dollar movie is insane to me because it was so like it obviously looked to like studios as being like that's too niche that's too weird no one will watch that film Mm. and they've managed to integrate it that's the creative side of it that clearly loves it but the other side of it again of the 
the art house and major cinema. And the other side of the Marvel universe is the creativity and the corporate. Yeah. The the just the undyingly kind of aggressive corporate strategy. Yeah. Strategy that forces this movie to be into a lexicon to, for people to kind of be like, "Wow, Avengers! Right, wow, that's the best movie ever made." And it's like, it's a good movie. It's a it's a good movie. But yeah. Like, really, really ask yourself if that's the best film you've ever seen. Mm. Did you really like? Did you love every minute of that movie? No. Like that. I'm not talking to you. I'm like half fair. I know you. <laughs> that first hour of the movie was such a slog. It, it was. I mean, again, it's we, that... but we know, we know that it's like hopeless, and oh, you know, like because we've seen. But I think it's them sort of saying. I sort of mentioned it. I thought I mentioned it before, but it's them sort of saying we can do this mm. if we want to. I know. But it's funny that it takes them they 22 it. films yeah, yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And then they abandon it by the end. Anyway, I know. I mean, it's just too much of it is kind of built around. And this is no way in detriment to the creatives. They do a great job. Mm. But too much of this movie is built around it trying to fit into this massive cultural moment. Mm. Uh, and that is through the decision of being like, you know, build, build the hype, build the hype. Mm. Fortnite expansion pack, you know. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. I'm just kicking myself because we're never going to get that Barry Jenkins Fortnite expansion pack that we so... <laughs> That'd be such a... <laughs> I don't know how well that would work. It would just be a disaster. Because yeah. again, these movies are made... For that, but it's changed the language of film. This is new. This yeah. whole thing. I mean, is... the blockbuster language has always been the same: repetition, familiarity, mm. nostalgia. I mean, that's been something that's happened a lot in mainstream cinema. Yeah. But I think at this I level, think at this level, it's unprecedented. And yeah. certainly, Marvel have taken all of those mechanics of blockbuster yeah. success and tailored them into their own format and style. And I think this is a perfect segue because we've obviously just seen this movie has hit two billion. Yeah, it's past, past, past Titanic, Titanic today. It's the second high, highest grossing movie of all and time. And Avatar is not is adjusted for inflation. Avatar has got about 0.7 billion, which is mental. <laughs> Who the fuck saw I haven't even seen Avatar. Have you not? No. I, I, didn't, I see didn't see it in the cinema, I don't no. think. I watched it on, on the television. But how? Like, is how else would I watch it if not on the cinema? <laughs> I watched it on the, the television, just to say, <laughs> I do own a TV. <laughs> I did yeah. own a TV back in 2009. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, I'd watch it on my iPad. No, I haven't seen it. I've never seen Avatar, but... Um, it's all right. Yeah, I know, but that's the thing. Anyone who's ever seen it, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. How is it the highest grossing movie of all time? It's sort of like the same thing when you think about like Nickelback, you know, yeah. like, or, or you 2 Yeah, like you 2 amazing. <laughs> apparently, like this amazingly popular band. Do you know anyone that likes? No one likes. No, no one is no. ever like. Yeah, I love you 2 No yeah. one ever admits it. Like some people might go, I like the odd track. Yeah, like, Joshua Tree. Everyone always goes on. Yeah, about. I don't mind. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's not me saying that. That's what people <laughs> say. I don't. I mind anything that they. I can't tolerate it. I mean, I just. You know, I'm their own, But yeah, I just. Yeah. I. I never. I never. Um. Yeah, never meet them, and I think it's the same with Avatar. But yeah. it's But it's funny mentioning that because Avatar, of course, are coming back. Yeah. Cameron's back. Cameron's back. Um, Four movies on the on the cards up till twenty twenty five, and he has the temerity to slag off superhero film franchising. I know, yeah. and he's like, when he's been sitting there in his little bunker plotting his own mega franchise, his own mega yeah, franchise, and he, had, he has, and he keeps making Terminator films or being yeah. involved in Terminator films. And they're he, just as bad, Cameron. They're worse than Marvel films. And single made... and like praising Genesis as well. Oh, I mean, I yeah. can't understand what is anyway. Sick bastard. Anyway, no, but but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a good point so like but, I mean how is Avatar going to fit in in this landscape Avatar came out 2009 Iron Man was 2008 but 2008. that was the was, embryonic was, stage of the superhero yeah, franchise and, and, right? and, and Avatar was, was still no not Avatar Avengers was merely a twinkle in Kevin Feige's nutsack 
<laughs> at that point. Waiting to blast onto the page. Waiting to blast from screen... From script to screen. <laughs> from henceforth. <laughs> no, no, but seriously. It, was, it wasn't... It was The landscape of cinema was so different in 2009 than it is now. Yeah. Because since 2012... That mad gambit, that that rascal Kevin Feige pulled it off. Yeah. He pulled it off. He pulled. He jerked it all together. Yeah. Tugged one out. He made the Avengers work. Yeah. And he turned like Iron Man, who was no way an A-list character, like a comic book character, or even like cultural character. No one knew Iron Man, but he turned him into a billion-dollar move film franchise. Mm. Not no one. Obviously, people knew Iron Man. <laughs> the Hulk was just not successful. Wasn't working. Uh, four, four was not a a serious contender for like, oh, this guy's gonna lead his own film franchise. Mm. It worked, and then everyone was like, "That's a great idea, Harry Potter." Yeah, the Dark Universe. <laughs> oh God, Star Wars. Star Wars fa- f- tried and failed that same formula. You know, the extended universe. DC obviously well documented tragedies over on that. Yeah. I mean, I think from them, from their point of view, I think they're sort of more focusing on just the, the sort of independent story arcs. Well, they've now, changed they? it now, yeah. They've kind of they realised that those movies kind of seem to work on their standalone efforts. Yeah, which is fair enough. Really. Which is exactly what Marvel did. Yeah, they didn't. They had maybe like the odd scene that hinted, "Oh, this is going to connect." I mean, if anything, that sort of cack-handed exposition has grown in the Marvel franchise. But I yeah. mean, back in the beginning, it was yeah, it was yeah. like a, a very brief cameo. There wasn't an extended period of Bruce Wayne watching oh my God. adverts for the next five Justice League films. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. But anyway, there you go. That's the like. How is first Avatar going to fit into this context? We'll save that. Yeah, I think so. Um, how is Marvel going to adapt? Yeah. Now, from its for, from something it's done itself. Yeah. You know, this is twenty two movies. God knows how many billions of dollars. Probably like seventeen billion dollars in in revenue. What's next? How do you match that? How do you make two billion dollars in a week in two and a half weeks again? I think it's something that they're going to probably build towards again. I can't see them not doing that strategy again. They have to really be either they're small. going to either they're going to rest on their laurels and just keep making like smaller films because that's what some people have batted the idea around. But mm. I can't see them doing that. I think as long as audiences want it, they're going to try and build to something else. I mean, I, I don't maybe. I, I think don't, so. I think that's true. I think audiences I think will do. want it, but I do. I do believe that this will be the this will be the peak, mm. and movies will perform well but it will steadily decline from this point on. Do you think? I can't see it being that successful again. Like, firstly, they've retired. You say that every time, though. Yeah, but they've retired... I mean, I guess there's more finality in this one. But yeah, they've retired two of the most definitive... Like quotation marks, yeah, finality. Definitive characters. Obviously, we have still got Spider-Man, you've still got Black Panther. Yeah, I, I think you're not going to have someone in that franchise like Iron Man again. No. I think the one that's probably going to rest most on the shoulders of us probably Black Panther. Yeah, because he was like... Because I think he was genuinely a great character yeah. and they pulled it off really well. And it was and the, and that had a similar seismic effect on yes, culture. Yes, absolutely. And I think he is a very likeable character. I think he's very different, obviously, from, from Iron Man for yeah. many reasons. But I think him, maybe Captain Marvel as well. I mean, Captain Marvel crossed a billion, let's not forget. Yeah, so, I feel yeah. like that, that was clever, but placement because I mean, there seems to be a weird little amount of animosity towards Brie Larson from certain which is, sectors yeah, of the internet which is very weird. disappointing I don't know what but, it is I mean you know I think I mean I liked the film I didn't think the film was as um, see that's the thing though because for me I didn't see it and, it and I only didn't see it because I 
genuinely just didn't have the time to see it. It was it, it was out. it was it was fine. Like it was serviceable. Like I, I mean, Brie Larson was great as you'd yeah. expect. Um, but which I is think... a good casting casting position for. I wonder had they released it after Endgame, would it have been as successful? Would it have been more successful? Yeah, probably would have done even better. Yeah, on on the on the t- coattails of not coattails, that's the wrong term, but on on the back of. Avengers Endgame. Mm. I mean, I it's know. weird that they're leading with Spider-Man first. Yeah, that was interesting weird. to see. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they will try it, and I think it's funny because we always seem to th- say every time, "This, how long can it last?" It's a question we ask ourselves, yeah, and that question con- has like a multifaceted thing to it, depending on your attitude on superhero films. It's continuously grown but for the last ten years, and it's. I not... just can't see it going anywhere soon. I think. No. I just don't know think how about gonna... the hype already that they're putting on Phase. Is it four now? I don't know. Like people are already going. What's next? You know, they yeah. want to know. But yeah, what exactly? I mean, it is as much about what's happening next. But that's funny. It's not really about like. It's just about oh, what's the next character? They're they're looking at quite obscure characters now. They're looking at the Eternals. Yeah. I mean, apparently, have no plans to bring the X Men in for a long time. I mean, I imagine they said that about Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, I imagine if things start going south, they'll pull those pretty quickly out. Yeah, you're gonna. That, that, I think that's gonna be their sort of trump card, isn't it? I think. I think X-Men. it's actually that is like their kind of saving grace because they can do X Men versus Avengers and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it doesn't have any chance to stand up, but the, I mean, the Western only you know it didn't last that long. I guess it's different now. It's, it's also kind of homogenized that it's not just a movie anymore. It's it's everything around it. Mm. It's like a, it's a movie. It's a TV show that set in between the movie. Yeah, they're doing TV shows now, aren't they? They've got the Disney ones now. I mean, it's just like they have like a, a Thanos-like grip over the cultural landscape, and it is kind of like ironic because all of these movies are about all of the villains are always these kind of controlling, yeah. overly influential people, and, and Marvel is, and Disney in particular, the most controlling like force. Yeah. force in cultural entertainment and everything now and that is worrying mm. to me yeah. to be honest that's a wider issue isn't it and, yeah and that's where Avatar kind of like where does that fit because that's a Disney property now yeah <laughs> which fucking is weird hell. so I mean it's Fox isn't it yeah 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 which means hell, yeah. I was thinking is it Fox fuck yeah. me so it doesn't even matter now that like they don't care I mean they're not going to fucking hell they're competing with themselves like yeah. and that's the danger surely yeah like, right like that's fucked up it doesn't matter that like oh Marvel didn't perform as well as like the Lion King, which probably will also make like $1.5 billion or something oh, yeah. stupid like that. Yeah. Nostalgia though, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same movie. You grew up with it. Yeah. Watch it again. Yeah. It's got Seth Rogen this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. I mean... All the love for Seth. To, yeah, yeah, we love the Seth. But The Jungle Book was a good film, but it... It's this like it's just too much of a trend, isn't it? Like mm. I don't know. I find it. I find it, it is hard. Not. I mean, when I meet speak to people that are genuinely sort of despondent with everything like mm. this, I can see why. <laughs> to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, Imagine if you just didn't like superhero films. Yeah. Or like live action reboots of Disney movies, and you were just like. Yeah. Like you just have to watch Barry Jenkins films for the rest of your life. Oh. Pretty good fate. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. It, it, I guess it's just this. We've, I think since we started this podcast, we've done superhero films, and I think when we did Logan, we were saying, like, you know, it's like a new attitude for superhero films, and it really didn't have much of a lasting effect. No, and I, I still think that is sort of the way to go. I, I think, think so. I think if you're going to adapt them, uh, maybe invest less money in them. Mm, make uh, them stand alone. Make them stand alone. 
Um, make them a genre film first, superhero film film. Yeah. Film, film, film. Second. Superhero film, film, film. Second. It's absolutely. I think that's... You know, and give more room for directors to explore these themes that clearly matter to the writers at the start of each film. And yeah. And it gets watered down more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, the thing, of, isn't it? Yeah, just... I, I think maybe that would be the way to do it. But that won't happen because at the end of the day, picture the average family, you know, two kids... Plonked on the, you know, you want them to be quiet for three hours. Yeah, you know, they're not going to sit there and listen to well, Captain America wax lyrical yeah. about the philosophical implications of, you know, killing people before they commit a crime. You yeah. know, yeah, it's not actually like it's just like Guantanamo Bay. You know, kids aren't going to care, no, and it's, that's understandable. You can't, you know, kids, not, yeah, you, you know. have to remember that this predominantly is a franchise for children. Well, it's for, it's for, it, it is but all, it's also it's dangerous. everyone. It's, it's a bad precedent to just be like. Like ever, all the entertainment is the same. Yeah. For your kids, you know. Yeah. Like everything's yeah, yeah. connected, kind of thing. Yeah. Just because it just it doesn't inspire kind of inspiration in no. any way. It's funny. I, I remember. It doesn't inspire inspiration. I remember. Nothing like it. <laughs> That's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever. <laughs> Staying in though. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember, funnily enough, uh, my Uncle Dave. Uh, shout out to my Uncle Dave. He shout told me Uncle once Dave. that he's that he said he showed his uh, my cousins, his daughters, um, Kez. Mm. And they could not believe yeah. that a film would end badly. Oh, yeah. They couldn't believe it. No. They couldn't believe that a film would just end and that would yeah, be it. And that would be It'd it. be so downtrodden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was surprising to me yeah. because, not surprising actually in a way, because you are conditioned by narratives. Absolutely. And it shows the pa- that to me, obviously you can't prove it on a wider scale because it's just two people, but you know <laughs> that to me suggests something that... You know, we are conditioned by narratives to some point. And if you overindulge in these narratives, then this is your only reference point for cinema, then that's the only thing you're going to engage yeah, with. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, you know? I hadn't really considered that. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I Obviously, when I was a kid, I like probably a lot of the things that, you know, Toy Story, probably all that kind Small of soldiers. Small soldiers. I love Small Soldiers. I also, we won a competition to see that, me and my mum in Derby. Yeah, yeah, the first people in Derby. So I used to walk around to school saying it. Oh, nice. And getting beaten up. Did you? <laughs> I'm the first one to watch Muscle, just don't touch me. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's that kid that went to see Oh, there he is. Look, there he is. Look, the competition winner. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Little prick. I never won any competitions when I was a kid. I used to always be like, oh, I really want to. I only want that, like, water pistol kind of thing. And yeah, I, that was the only thing I think I won. Ever. Uh, yeah, ever, yeah. I think. So, down no, you know. I went to see um, Tarzan in the cinema and I hated it when I was a kid. Oh, okay. It was terrible, I thought. Phil Collins did the music for it. Yes, he did. That's your problem. <laughs> well, I know a few people. The fans of this podcast are also big fans of him. So. Oh, I know, I know. I yeah. actually quite like Phil Collins. I think yeah. he uh, he did some good work with Genesis. You know, um, <laughs> yep, the classic album Genesis, <laughs> self-titled, <laughs> greatest hits. <laughs> no, 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 Phil Collins, alright. But um, Tarzan was a shit film. I don't remember having particularly that much sort of reverence for it, so... But I think that's funny, yeah, because I, I don't know. Um, and I, it all depends on your childhood experience, whether you're a contest winner that went to see Small Soldiers and largely that impacted your entire life. <laughs> I love Small Soldiers. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. But, yeah. I mean, I, I, I used to just buy videos like from like, yeah. from like an old rental shop when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would just watch anything, really. That is something I really want to mention quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean... Fuck it, who cares? Like, we're not going to do this very often, so you can have us for longer. Longer! <laughs> oh, um, God. <laughs> that's a spike. Turn it uh, down about five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> telling me that now. <laughs> Warning! <laughs> um, um, I think the digitisation of media has made it also difficult for people to engage with a wider sphere. Well, it's harder to kind of, like, 
take a risk on something because you have all of the options there. Yeah, and you were with Netflix, Amazon Prime, yeah, for exactly. example, you're relying on the content providers to provide the content. So you're only yeah. going to consume what they give you. Yeah. I mean, the idea now of buying a DVD or Blu-ray for a lot of people is like... Absurd. Absurd, yeah. I, I still buy CDs. Yeah, I mean, I've got... A, Pretty big DVD and blue, not pretty big DVD and blue <laughs> collection, ladies. You know, just just uh, just just a warning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, obviously, I'm a, I'm passionate about film. I'm a collector. I'm, I'm I do like to hoard things that I'm passionate about. So it makes sense to me to buy them. But yeah. for most people, it's kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's weird. Concept, like you go to someone's yeah. house and people will say, "God, you got a lot of DVDs." I'm not saying it in the kind of way that yeah, I want them to say it. Oh, that's cool. They'll be like, "God, Danny, you got a lot of DVDs." Yeah, like, it's like what, distaste. What, you know that that all that shelf space could be taken up with a driftwood sign that says "Live, Laugh, Love" on it. I know. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Fuck off. Anyway, different argument. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But I know what you mean. because yeah, it, you know what I mean. Like it's, it's all about condensing things. Out. Everything's about having space. It's like well, the, the way to give you space is by having Netflix, Amazon. Yeah, and one of the big things the, for me was yeah, that's a problem. And one of the big things for me when I was younger buying video buying DVDs was taking a risk yeah. and being like I don't know anything about this and obviously yeah. I'm just sounding like an old man yelling at a cloud now like oh, yeah, I know. kids these days but like I'm 30 in a year so I feel like I'm almost well, there we are not like you know we aren't we aren't the, 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 the millennial well we are millennials but the next generation that are growing up just with Netflix yeah and they probably just watch everything yeah but I'm really selective because I use because just how I grew up I, I wouldn't just go out and buy like five DVDs and watch them all. Yeah. Like binge watch five DVDs. I'd be like, what do I want? Like, what kind of thing am I looking for? And I'd, you'd look at everything, you'd ask people, you know, I mean, nowadays I'd sit and I'd just look on stuff at Netflix and because there's so much choice, I'm so diff- bad at making a choice. I also think that going back to that point of you relying on Netflix and Amazon to provide a wide cinematic experience... Which, you know, because you're yeah. relying on them to, you know, they obviously got loads of blockbusters. There's loads of Jean-Claude Van Damme films on there. Uh, which <laughs> Thank <obviously, God. laughs> I mean, I like them, don't get me wrong. I love, the, I love the Van Damme. But, you know, I think this whole argument recently, sort of going a bit off piece here, but fuck it. Um, you know, Spielberg saying about the damaging effects of Netflix mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I think they should probably be a bit more invested in putting a wider variety of cinema on there just to see yeah. if people will no, engage absolutely. with it yeah no it's it's it's, it's better because they did have some world cinema they, have, they did have they, they did have Roma. a lot of bollywood yeah a lot of bollywood they had roma um, which is cool but it's like you know i think maybe try and taking, try and help try yeah. and help the situation because well, Netflix are taking more risks on kind of these kids aren't going to go to hmv and buy fucking on sean underloo on blu-ray <laughs> I and mean, i don't fucking blame them you know what i mean because yeah, yeah, it's expensive and you've got to but, buy you know, some other channel to get those films anyway yeah like, like you know filmstruck or movie i mean movie. again movie's brilliant i fucking love movie but you're yeah. still relying on them to put the right films on you want to watch and uh movie if you're listening you know <laughs> Dorsman, some, uh, I, I do love it <laughs> we'll, we'll sponsor you we have seven, <laughs> we'll sponsor you we have, <laughs> we have seven <laughs> movie sponsored by the <laughs> <laughs> boys forever <laughs> Yeah. We have 70 listeners. Yeah. Pretty lucrative. That's on a good day. Yeah. Um, that's on a good day. They won't be listening to this one because this one is probably going to be about 45 minutes long. So. <laughs> I don't know. Let's go longer, baby. Let's keep going. But no, I, I think it's true. And I think, um, you know, like Disney are about to kind of finally throw their hat into the streaming yeah. ring. And obviously, I think they waited till they had Fox to really kind of like, because mm. they're going to have every Simpsons episode on there. Yes. Even the shit ones. But yeah. like seriously, like I love the fucking me and you love The Simpsons. Yeah. To the point we should probably do a Simpsons podcast. Yeah, you know, I is just watched you know, it's a huge part of my life. Yeah. Still to this day. But um, yeah, no, I I think But like that worrying. that's a big yeah. thing. And then and then they're gonna have Disney oh, all of Disney's library, all the Star Wars films, T V shows, etc. 
um, all the Marvel. Yeah. And then not to account for the new Marvel TV shows, Disney TV shows, Star Wars TV shows, exclusive movies just for this streaming. So, I mean, this is going to kill presumably most streaming competition. I think Netflix have carved out this niche as being a kind of... Yeah, I think Netflix will be able to endure. I think because their yeah. presence with some of the TV they've made, I think they'll be all right. I think yeah. they're going to notice it for sure. But... I think they'll certainly, yeah. They'll, 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 Netflix, Disney can charge five ninety nine for this and it'd probably still be like the best... They probably would charge more, I'd have thought. I think they're charging quite a low price for it. Are they? Well, like, uh, because obviously they charge a lot for their DVDs and all that sort of shit. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, true, yeah. I guess like the Marvel can... film when it first comes out, it's like 18 quid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no. I don't <laughs> I have maybe like two Marvel DVDs. And one of them was Iron Man, so that was pre-Disney. Fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> yeah. For corporate uh, homogenization destroyed culture. Not really, but some people think that. Yeah. What do you think? Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I think that probably leaves us at a good place to end it. Yeah, I think so. A couple Um, of little plugs, actually. Yeah, so go on. Uh, New website releasing. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah, go Um, for it. Cinematic Exploits of a Bum Balloon. What is the whole website? Is it that? Yeah, it's just just basically uh, me in cinemas tying strings of balloons to my anus and taking pictures. (laughs) 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 You should advertise it. (laughs) No, it's a film review website, hopefully getting released when this is out. Uh, If not, I'm lazy and it'll be out in a few days, but if you give that some support, that'd be great. Yeah, if if it's ready, we'll obviously put a link. Uh, Yeah, there'll be a link to the Cineboys, to Cinemen. Oh, sorry. Naughty. Cineboys forever. Yeah. Um, on, On the website. And that's basically an expansion of this, really. Just yeah. more in written form. Yeah, just a bit more so, content for yeah. your ingestion. Yes. Uh, I am going to plug um, Stop the World and Shock and Awe in particular. It's a podcast that I make about Don't. horrible news. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> you had your chance, you fucking prick. So, uh, it's, um, it's all about bad news uh, and just how it's going to affect us. So, good. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I like it. Thank you. You've never yeah. listened to it. I have. I have actually listened to it. I'm <laughs> well, not yeah. to, I don't listen to it always. Oh, I right, listen to yeah, a couple yeah, of episodes. Yeah. I always listen to it. I've never, never <laughs> yeah. heard it. Yeah. I love it, though. Please like my letter of auction. <laughs> always texting me at midnight. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't even seen Hellwood, Annie. <laughs> oh, God. I've not seen that either. No, me neither. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's enough. Uh, uh, anything else you want to plug? No. Just Barry Jenkins films or anything like no, that? No, no. I don't know what he's doing next. No. Oh, he's doing a TV show. Ah, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's the future of. Um, Long form, interesting content at this point. Mm. Well, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I hope not because I can't you, be asked for TV shows. Yeah, you just find it an investment, don't you? Yeah, it's not that I don't think TV is worthy. It really is, but I just, yeah, I don't know. I just can't be bothered. It's like I find it daunting. You know, have you seen this series? Oh yeah, I might watch it. How many seasons? Like nine seasons. It's like, Fuck's sake! And like those moments of exposition that are in a film that lasts like five minutes or like three episodes. You know, and it's just like fucking hell. And again, I know that's a different approach to storytelling, so you accept it, but I just can't be bothered. My plan is if I live long enough to retire and don't have a heart attack and a wimpy burger, like I predict at 49, um, <laughs> my my plan is to um, maybe just when I retire, just watch, watch all the TV I missed out on. Fair enough. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>